What's good, everybody? This is another episode of Hail to the Thorn. It's been a little bit of a minute, and I apologize, but as you can tell, this is the first live video stream of the podcast, and it's kind of a direction we've been trying to go forward. I've been collabing. You can see a picture of my buddy here on the screen. This is Jacob Booth. He is my boy. He's from Seattle, Washington. We grew up playing baseball together since we were about nine years old, and we're just homies. And I want to start getting a co-host because I think y'all are just bored of listening to me talk the whole time. So mixing it up, Booth, you want to say what's up to the people? Yes, sir. Hey, everyone. We're going to talk about things today. We're going to cover three main sports, NFL, NBA, even the WNBA for you women out there. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. And uh, the MLB a little bit, but... Really quick, just again with J- with Jacob Booth, I'm just going to refer to him as Booth pretty much the whole time. We got another boy sitting in on this episode, Jordan Wright. So if you're watching the the video version of it, ignore him. He just wanted to watch. He's he's a proud supporter of us too. Uh, show some love to him in the comments if you're feeling it though. But anyways, uh, like I said, Booth's going to be here. We're going to talk about maybe rebranding here in the future, but we're going to dive right into this. And as many sports fans, many football followers have seen on social media the past couple of days, maybe the past week, the NFL is proposing a new change to uniforms that would allow positions other than the quarterbacks and the punters and the kickers to wear single digit numbers. So you could see your favorite wide receiver, defensive back rocking a single digit number, which has never been seen before in the NFL. And so let's just break down the number rules really quickly. So quarterbacks through punters kickers they'll keep the same one through 19 but now you can see running backs either rocking one through 49 or 80 through 89 booth really quick because i just want to get you in there what running back even if they had the choice like you, you gonna see Derek henry rocking 85 uh what's the name ty montgomery isn't he yeah oh isn't that's a good that's right uh yeah. yeah and then cordell patterson when he lines up as a running back in some of those packages that's actually not a bad play but I don't think anyone, I think anyone would rather choose like a single digit number before they're rocking a tight end number. Uh, defensive backs can go one through 49. Linebackers even get the option uh, one through 59 and 90 through 99. Offensive linemen remain at 50 through 79. And same with the defensive linemen, 50 through 79 or 90 through 99. No love to the big boys, bro. This guy from the Jets today tweeted that he wanted number one because nobody was nobody was going to take the single digits from who we talked to. So I, I, what would you say? Would you like to see a nose tackle lining up wearing two? They do it in college. Why can't they do yeah. it in the NFL? Let them get whatever they want, I think. That's what I'm saying, especially if they're getting paid. Like my boy on Bitcoin, yeah. it's, it's invading oh, the game. What's his name? Do you remember his name? Uh, off the top of my head, I don't remember. I think he's on the Panthers right now, though. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, regardless, uh, Dalvin Cook, OBJ, Justin Jefferson are kind of the people who have – Tweeted, talked a little bit about rocking single-digit numbers. Stephon Diggs said he's sticking with 14. And he said the interesting part about this topic I want to talk, he said all the fans that devoted their hard-earned money to his jersey. That's kind of the thing. And don't you think, Booth, as an accounting and business major yourself, like that's money right there. That's revenue. Jersey sales will probably spike up when the numbers switch. So is it smart on the NFL to do it, to allow players with this freedom? And also, do you think the revenue profit is going to be significantly increased on jersey sales when it switches? I mean, there's two possibilities, right? So the people that have already bought jerseys, they'll be upset and say like, oh, like, like uh, I think Ezekiel Elliott was talking about switching from number true to number 15, I think he had in college. Yeah. And I bought his 22 jersey. So it's like, I don't, I'm not going to buy a whole new jersey because I'm not that big of a fan to begin with. But other people might, see that and they want the the newest updated jerseys and yeah so i think it's kind of uh 
we'll have to wait and see how it goes, how it plays out. I think it'll be really big for the like future draft or not future draft, but even this year's incoming mm-hmm. class, like what they choose to do, what they rock with. Um, but or in that, there's one tweet that brought up along with the number change because he connected it. Derek Henry talking about how that's cool. It's cool the jersey number things happening, but what's the deal on the one helmet rule? He wants the NFL to be able to wear uh, multiple helmets now so they can incorporate some throwback uniforms with different helmet combinations. For those of you that don't know really quick, the NFL is not like the NCAA or college football where they're only allowed one helmet and you at times use that helmet for years. It gets refurbished, it gets repainted, whatever, whatever it needs to be done because of concussion protocols and they think it's the safest possibility. They've been talking for about a year now about changing the rule, but they don't even, what I found was crazy booth is that they don't wear different helmets for practice. Even they don't have a practice helmet because I saw with that new fan controlled football league, they got the helmets, the game helmets, and then they have practice helmets as too. So I was looking in that before to see if the NFL does that because like, what, what would be the problem if they have different helmets for practice or game, but they literally wear the same one. And do you know if like, cause if they don't want to change helmets, like they talk about, they repaint helmets year by year, even week by week to make them look like camera ready for game day. Like how much do you think it's a cost thing or do you think it's a time thing more that like, let's just throw the Seahawks an example. People have been talking about wanting the Seahawks throwback uniforms, but the helmets would be silver compared to the Navy blue there. Now, do you think it, they wouldn't be ready in a week? How do you plan that? I thought what they were saying that it's more like uh, it creates kind of like the liability of uh, if you bring in brand new helmets for one week, like if they have silver helmets and Navy helmets, uh, like the newer helmets have some sort of issue, but it doesn't really make sense to me. Like so the only the only NFL argument is that like NFL players say like it's I don't even know if this is really true, but they say it's kind of like shoes where you're like you gotta break them in or like cleats, yeah. you know. But I mean, especially with the technology of like the new helmets that have been produced, like the V7 or whatever, the Z10, like where they're made, the upgraded science in the field, it, it doesn't seem to make sense that they can't have two helmets because these helmets are designed to prevent concussions and they're tested like fully tested before even being team issued. Yeah. So I think it's, I think it's something that the commissioner just doesn't want because there are certain rules, like it would make sense for them to have multiple helmets throughout a season. Like they probably have multiple pairs of cleats throughout a season, but I just think it's, uh, it's what they've done in the past that they just want to stick with it. Let's dive in. Next topic, kind of talking about the NBA here, and it kind of connects with the former baseball player, Yankees legend, uh, Roy's legend, Alex Rodriguez, has recently purchased the Minnesota Timberwolves along with billionaire Mark Lore. Uh, he buys them and the WNBA team, the Minnesota Lynx, and they're part owners for two years with the current owner, who's Glenn Taylor, and he kind of will, I guess the plan is to walk them through the ropes for the first two years on managing the team. And then they will take over full ownership in 2023 that the plan is to keep the team in Minnesota. And that's kind of a fan thing, a fan stress reliever, because anytime a small market team is up for sale, especially in the NBA, you always hear rumors right now of relocation, but there is still some concern and even top tier uh, news media outlets like ESPN have wrote about Alex Rodriguez close ties with Seattle and there should be a little fear if the team doesn't do well and money isn't there that he may relocate the team to the PNW booth. What would you do if the Sonics made the return via Alex Rodriguez? I'd be totally down for it. I mean, I think since I've been in here in Seattle, I don't think the the Sonics have uh, been playing in a key arena or climate pledge arena. So I definitely want them back. I think it'd be, I just don't think it's likely that 
this is the way they come to Seattle. I think uh, kind of the expansion team, they're talking about bringing two new expansion teams. I think that's the more likely path to Seattle. I agree. And and for those people who like, you know, didn't understand the whole thing, it's been since 2008, I believe, since the Sonics left. Seattle has always longed for the return of a basketball team. It's not, it's not like we hated basketball or anything. It's a, a, a sticky situation that went the wrong way. But I kind of agree with you, but I, I don't see Alex Rodriguez not being a guy like he's a smart dude. In essence, you know, he's a broadcaster for the MLB for ESPN and he's managed his own contracts at times and his salary as a player. I, I feel like there's a chance if the team continues the profit decrease, especially with they've, they've missed the playoffs. I think 16, the last 17 seasons or something like that under his, uh, under uh, their current owner's management. And so I don't think it'd be a shock if a couple of years down the road, the team moves if they can't sell tickets. Do you think, do you think relocating gives them uh, just like a fresh start? Is that kind of the idea behind it in your I, mind? I think it's kind of the idea behind it. And it's almost uh, looking back kind of a similar situation with the Chargers or even the Raiders where they, they didn't have a bad situation in Oakland or in San Diego, especially with the Chargers because people are still kind of frustrated that the Chargers left and didn't feel like they needed to move. But now that they relocated to Los Angeles, there's more revenue being involved in there with the city. Of, of The fan base may not be as strong there, especially in Vegas too. You know, the Oakland Raiders fans were so great, but moving that team to Vegas has allowed for a new stadium, which is fresh start for them, rebranding in a way, not the name and colors, but like a whole new set of fans that they're bringing in. And here in Seattle where it's starting to grow, even as a recruiting standpoint from high school kids, colleges, prospects from the state of Washington are starting to shine in the NBA that it's, you can tell it's a basketball fevered city. And I think moving that team there would, would bring in some more revenue because listen, I'm not throwing the stereotype around, but I, I have a roommate right now who who's from Minnesota. I have the twins fly rocking with me in the background too. And he will say that they're, they're a football fan based city. They like the Vikings and then hockey is really big there too. So they're from what I understand that's kind of their bottom priority team and I think once people see how well hockey does in Seattle actually with how many tickets they're selling in the updated arena the climate pledge arena like you said um I think it'll be without question that the NBA gets here either that way or through expansion but that's a really good point and like you brought up expansion booth uh they did ESPN TNT all these NBA sources are talking about expansion of the NBA to two new cities if you were to throw two new two new teams in two new in two different cities, where would be the best marketplaces for the NBA to come to? I mean, I think the easy answer, uh, all the arguments you just made, I'm going to be biased anyway. So I got to say Seattle, uh, it's been proven that they can have a team here. We're going to have a new arena ready. And I just think it makes sense in my opinion. And then I think for the, the second city, uh, kind of a basic answer, but Las Vegas, um, I think obviously they have a, uh, a lot going on there already so I don't know how much sense it will make in reality but we've just seen the Golden Knights come and have a lot of success in that city and I just think uh, give them a new look give them a new team I think it'd be a lot of fun I think you're spot on especially what you made the argument for with Seattle saying that we're gonna have the new arena I mean the T-Mobile arena that they have there it could fit the basketball team easily yeah. I also see reports of you know maybe bringing a team to Kansas City or even St. Louis or like Louisville somewhere in the Midwest where like there isn't that NBA uh, team in here that could bring money in there. I, I don't think it's a bad play. Obviously I know there's those people who are biased and want the Vancouver Grizzlies back, but I don't know if Vancouver is the best city for 
another NBA team. I feel like Canada's really good with, with Toronto and that's really that East side cares more about basketball. And maybe you know more about it than I do on that. I mean, we've seen some problems with the, the pandemic going on. The I think it was the Toronto Blue Jays were having to play games in Buffalo. Right. So I think specifically right now, it's kind of difficult. I mean, obviously the situation is going to change in a few years, but I think right now it just, there's a lot, uh, just a lot more problems with that idea. Yeah. I think, I think the idea of expansion in the NBA would be great though, mm-hmm. because they, they took a big toll. I mean, they had to shut down their season uh, mid season last year because of the pandemic. And that's kind of the reason expansion was talking just because uh, the revenue. And I think expansion would be really cool in the NBA, especially as a biased Seattle fan who'd love to get his team back. Like you said, but our final topic of the evening for this podcast, and it's really short. It's just worth noting because you either love them or you hate them. The Chicago Cubs are currently the worst offensive team in the MLB. And it's not very close. They're hitting 167 through the first nine games, but they are four and five, and they have a, a low M, uh, their last in the MLB as well with a 265 on base percentage. Then the only thing that makes this bad uh, for them is that they're a defending uh, division champ. They won the NL Central last year, and and for the Cubs, they really only have Javier Baez and Chris Bryant who are hitting 242, and Bryant's 233. Other than that, it's like 200 and below for them. And I don't think you got to panic, but they at one time had the NL pitchers had a higher combined of every NL pitcher had a higher batting average than the Cubs as a team. What does it mean for baseball as a fan? Like, do you want, do you watch that? Do you care uh, being a former baseball player yourself? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, like we both play baseball. We know how much of a streaky kind of sport it is. It's uh, like if they were hitting 400, it's not going to be sustainable. If they're hitting 100, it's not going to be sustainable. We're going to see it. This in this case move up towards that average of around like probably around like the mid two hundreds, but it's it's nine games into a season. They're getting the most media press, and I think it's funny because I think it's just because it's a big city with a couple star players on the team. Yeah. And but they've even said like they, they kind of refused to say they were going in a rebuild, but that that team will kind of be on the downtrain. And the only other team who's won a division. Uh, defending division champ this year is the Oakland Athletics and they're hitting 189 too. So they're not alone in this boat. So lay off the Chicago Cubs on that. You know, that is what it is. But really, I mean, the main highlight of this podcast, I really think was trial and error. So if you were listening to this today, we're just trying this new thing, trying to get more people on here. Hey, if you know me, if you know anyone that would like to be on the podcast, hit me up, uh, follow the Twitter account and Let's start getting more people on here as guest stars. Like I said, Booth is implemented. He is part of the brand now, and he will be on practically every podcast that here's going forward. Uh, let's pray that the NBA comes back to Seattle, right, Booth? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's all there is to it. Thank you again for listening to another episode of Hail to the Thorn. Name may be changing. I got to talk to Booth about that because I don't think he really represents that. But y'all have a good one, and peace. <laughs> You make me sound like a hater, bro. <laughs> <laughs> nah, you don't. Uh.